How many of you came today ready to receive from God's word, having open hearts, hungry for him? Did you? Yes. It's fun to hang out with the girls, but we come even more so to hear from God and to connect with him, right? So let's just open our hearts to him right now and just ask him to speak to us, all right? Father, we just come before you, and God, right now, we each just lay aside distractions. We lay aside the cares and busyness of life. And Father, right now, we fix our attention and our focus on you. And Father, we ask that you would speak to us. Speak to each and every one of us by your spirit. Help us to hear what you're saying to us personally now, God. In Jesus' name we ask. And everyone said? Amen. 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 All right. Well, for those of you who were at our Monday Night Chick Connection, we're actually going to continue a little bit with what we talked about on Monday night. For those of you that weren't there, don't worry. We'll fill you in and get you up to speed really quickly. But, you know, we really started out on Monday night talking about the fact that here we are embarking on a new year and we don't want to just exist through this year and just go into it flippantly just saying okay God whatever no we want what God has for us in this year don't you want what God has for you in this coming year and so we've got to do some things consciously and deliberately to position ourselves to walk into all that he has for us and so we spent Monday night looking at the first few verses of Hebrews chapter 12 and talking about some very specific keys that will help us position ourselves for all that God has for us in this coming year and in our future as well. And so the first thing we talked about is losing the weight. Now, not the physical weight, that's not what we talked about. <laughs> We talked about laying aside the weights that weigh us down in life. The things that we kind of pick up throughout our journey that cling to us, things that we carry that we really don't need to be carrying. And we talked about the fact that we've got to lay those things aside. That's what it tells us in Hebrews 12. Lay them aside. Cast them off. Cast them onto Jesus. So we spent time talking about that. But then we also looked in those verses, it tells us to run with endurance. So first we've got to cast off the things that have been weighing us down. Then we can run with endurance. But sometimes we get running with endurance. Okay, God, I'm just going full speed ahead. I want to experience all that you have for me. And then before we know it, our endurance kind of trickles off. Our endurance flies out the window, and we find ourselves flagging in our faith, as it says in Hebrews 12. And we find ourselves just a little bit more slow, a little bit more sluggish, because we've started picking up things again along the journey that we don't really need to be picking up. We start picking up things that weigh us down, things that we carry that we don't need to carry. And if we're not careful, those things will get us out of our lane, keep us from running in our lane. And if we don't deal with them, they can eventually take us completely off course and off the track that God wants us running on. So 
we said that in order to prevent that from happening, we've got to have rain slicker courage. How many of you this week thought about having rain slicker courage after we talked about it? All right. I've heard several of you tell me that that came to your mind. Okay, I'm going to let it slide off. I'm going to let it slide off. That's awesome. That's what that means. We've got to live as though we're living with a rain slicker on, that when things try to stick to us, that it just slides right off, and we don't let them stick to us. But it takes courage to be able to do that. And so we started talking a little bit about that concept of having rain slicker courage last week. But I want us to unpack that a little bit more fully today and talk about it a little bit more. Because I am well aware that it's easier said than done. Have any of you ever experienced that? It's easier said than done to just let things slide right off. You're all perfect. You just let everything slide right off. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, sometimes it's a little harder than others. And so for those of you who were not here last Monday night, let me just take a moment and fill you in a little bit more fully on what I mean by having rain slicker courage. Because we can be running our race, we can be going along, pursuing what God has for us, and then things pop up. But isn't it always in the morning when, you know, we're having our quiet time with God and we're reading our Bible and we're praying and everything is so wonderful. And, oh, God, I am going to run into all that you have for me today. This is going to be an amazing day. And then we get around people. <laughs> might even happen before we get out of the house. <laughs> we get around people, and then what happens? Someone says something we don't like. Ah! It hits us, and we let it stick to us. And then we get out of the house, and somebody else says something to offend us. Ah! It sticks to us doesn't feel good. And then somebody totally irritates and frustrates us. Oh! Ah. <laughs> and then somebody else just does not meet up to our expectations. Ah, how could they do that? And then we get all this stuff sticking to us. And you know what happens? We were ready for a great day. We were going to run full speed ahead. We were looking for all that God had for us in that day. And all of a sudden, our focus shifts and turns right here to all of this yuck, all of this pain, all of this stuff that's not just sticking to us, but now it's saturating like this water is doing at this very moment. <laughs> soaking through my layers. I feel it on my skin. I feel it dripping down a little bit. <laughs> but that's what happens. The hurt, the frustration, all of those things, they can stick to us and then they can soak in. And they can get deep on the inside if we're not careful. It happens so easily. And then when they do, they get us down. They weigh us down and keep us from running 
with great endurance into all that God has for us. So we've got to get really good at learning to live as though we are in a rain slicker, having rain slicker courage. Because it takes a little bit of courage to let things slide right off. But now when we go about our day and somebody says something we don't like, just slides right off. When somebody hurts us and hurts our feelings, just slides right off. When somebody frustrates us, slides right off. When somebody doesn't meet our expectations, <laughs> it mostly slides right off. I can get her back later. <laughs> When somebody rejects us, it just slides right off. You get the point. Let's give our little squirt gun diva a hand. <laughs> We've got to get good at learning to live as though we have a rain slicker on all the time to let things slide right off of us. It takes courage to be able to do that. But how do we really do it? How does it become a reality of our lives and not just a concept that we talk about, not just a visual illustration? How do we really walk that out in our daily lives? You know, in Hebrews, when we looked, touched on this last week, it tells us that when we start flagging in our faith, when our endurance weakens because we've started letting things stick to us along the way, what do we do? It told us to look to Jesus. All that shame, all the rejection, all the abuse, everything he took upon himself on that cross of Calvary, it says that he disregarded it. Wow. He disregarded it. He let it all just slide right off. And so it tells us to remind ourselves of all that he went through, all that he endured. And whatever we're facing, when we feel tempted to pick up that offense, when we feel tempted to pick up that hurt and to hold on to it, that we need to stop and think about how he completely let all of those horrific things just slide right off and compare what we're going through to what he went through and recognize if he could let all of that slip off surely we can let what we're facing slide off as well you know it is so powerful for us to just stop and meditate on what Jesus endured on that cross of Calvary, to remind ourselves, to meditate on that. It gives us, it, in the Message Bible, it says that it shoots adrenaline into our veins. It encourages us. But sometimes we can get a little crazy up here. Anyone else ever get a little crazy? And so, we can start thinking about, oh, Jesus, everything that you endured, 
the beating, the mocking, all of it. And we can go through all of it in our minds and think, oh, okay, God, if you could do that, surely I do not need to hold on to this hurt, this thing that I've been wanting to hold on to. God, I just let it go. I'm just going to let it go. Thank you for reminding me of what you did. And then we go out of the house and we run into that person. And, <laughs> and what happens? All these emotions start rising. And then our thoughts start going, how could you have done that? How could they have done that to me? Don't they know what that did to me? Don't they know what that felt like? Oh my gosh. And all our emotions start rising again. And then we get back over here and, okay, God, I'm going to remind myself all that Jesus endured. Okay, I can let it slide off. And then we get out and something triggers it again and it crops up. And then we, all our emotions start raging again and then we start feeling crazy and then we come over here and we remind ourselves again, okay, Jesus, you walked through all of this, surely I can just let this go. And then we get out here and then something else triggers it and all our emotions start rising again. Have any of you ever experienced that? Ever felt like a crazy person? <laughs> like a yo-yo? <laughs> Sometimes we do. But today, I want us to look a little bit deeper, and we're going to see not just what Jesus did, not just the fact that he endured all of these horrific things and disregarded them, that he just let them slide off, but today, we want to look at how he did that, because throughout the course and the sequence of all the events of Calvary and leading up to that, there's one really important key that Jesus did, something he did that I believe enabled him to be able to disregard it all. And if we can grab a hold of that, it will prevent us from picking anything up along the way that would stand in the way of what God has for us. And so I want us to look at those things today. And what it really boils down to, and that we're going to see throughout that entire sequence of events, is that Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. You might think, well, he's Jesus. Did he really need to pray? Yeah. And if he prayed, then we need to. He gave us the example of how to pray. And so we're going to see three specific prayers that he prayed. And the first one, we're going to see that he prayed about the situation that he was facing. Because things were already in motion. Judas had already turned his heart away from Jesus, and he had already accepted the bribe to betray Jesus and turn him over to be killed. And Jesus knew this. He told the disciples about this at the Last Supper. And then, after that, he and the disciples went into the garden to pray. And in Luke 22, verse 41, it says, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. 
And it continues in the next verse and says that then he began to pray even more fervently. You know, prayer adds strength to our lives. Sometimes we say, oh, I'm too weak, I'm too discouraged, I can't even pray. That's when we need to pray. He was strengthened when he prayed. Prayer adds strength to our lives. And he prayed specifically for the Father's will to be done, not his will. You know, sometimes we want God to just wave a magic wand over us or snap his fingers and pluck us out of our situation and circumstance. Anybody ever wanted that before? Yes. Sometimes we would just love it if God could do that. But that's not how he works. I mean, Jesus, I think, would have liked that in that moment. He said, if this cup can pass from me, but nevertheless, let your will be done. He prayed for the perfect will of God to be fulfilled. And most often, we pray for our will to be accomplished, don't we? We like to tell God how he should do it. Anybody else ever tell God how to do it? I know I do. And in one of the most difficult situations of my life, I thought I knew exactly what would be the best solution. I thought I knew exactly what God should do. And so I kept praying for God to intervene. I kept bringing the situation to him and asking for his intervention and asking him to work and do this what I thought was the best solution. God, do this, do this. God, please intervene, do this, do this. Not accomplish your will, but I was telling him what I thought his will was <laughs> and asking him to accomplish that. And then I realized that my will was not his will. And he answered in a way that was totally different from what I had expected. And he had a different plan that I didn't understand. And you know, his plan, it was a little bit more difficult to walk through. But I am so thankful for his plan. I would not be here today if he had intervened the way I asked him to. My life would have gotten off track and gone in a very different direction. We need to ask God to bring his will into our circumstances. We need to be willing to bring all of our situations, every challenge, everything we encounter to him and ask him to intervene, invite him to invade with his will, accomplishing his will in our lives. You know, the word of God shows us his will so often as we read through the verses of this word it reveals god's will to us it's full of his promises and if he promises to do something don't you think that's his will yeah so we've got to get a hold of his word and know what it says his word shows us that he wants to be magnified, made bigger in everything. So we know then that he wants to intervene and do things to get the glory so that people will see his power at work and be drawn to him. 
We've got to get a hold of this word and know his word so that we know how to pray his will. And maybe you're saying, well, you know, there's not answers to everything in there. Like maybe you're facing a decision and you need a very specific answer and what to do in that situation. You need to know the wisdom for that decision. Do you know the word of God says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and he will give it liberally. That's a promise. And that's his will to pour out wisdom into our lives. So yes, it may not tell us buy the Honda or the Toyota, whatever the situation is you're facing, but we can say, okay, God, it's your will to pour wisdom into my life. And so I'm asking right now for wisdom, and you said you would give it in abundance if I ask. That's your promise. And then just listen and trust him, and he will show you. And I know we're, we're microwave people. I didn't hear. He doesn't answer. Oh, forget it. That's what we do, right? We need to just keep listening. Just keep listening. Just keep listening, and he'll show us. It will become clear. He'll order our steps and lead us and guide us. But his word is full of wisdom for our lives, showing us his will for our lives. So we've got to be able to bring every situation to him and ask for his will to be accomplished in that situation, not tell him, how to do it, not tell him what our will is, but sincerely ask him for his will. It takes more courage to ask for his will to be accomplished. Sometimes we don't know exactly what that's gonna look like. Sometimes that's a little bit harder than others to walk out. But if we sincerely want his best and all that he has for us, we've got to have courage to bring every situation to him and ask for his will to be accomplished in that situation. All right? Second thing Jesus prayed. He prayed for those who were harming him. You see, Jesus was betrayed. He was turned over to Herod. And then to the soldiers who took him, they stripped him, they spat on him, they pounded a crown of thorns into his head, they mocked him horrifically, they beat him with a cat of nine tails, a stick with straps of leather on it. And all along those pieces of leather were attached pieces of metal and glass. And he was whipped repeatedly with those straps, those, the pieces of glass and metal digging into his flesh, pulling it off of his body. He was beaten horrifically beyond recognition. He endured all of that horrific abuse, and then they nailed him to a cross and crucified him. And sometimes I think we take for granted what Jesus did for us, and we can stop and think, well, he, he is God. Maybe it didn't phase him like it would have phased us. No, he was also all man and we see his humanity after this unthinkable abuse when he cries out my god my god why have you forsaken me did you know that god wants us to pour out our anguish to him 
our humanity, our hurt. In that moment, we see his humanity. God wants us to bring everything to him. He wants us to be able to pour out every emotion, everything to him. So often people think, well, I can't say that to God. I can't tell God how angry I am or how hurt I am. I can't say that to God. Yeah, he wants us to pour out everything to him. Think about it. If you're a parent, don't you want your child to come? And if they're having a hard time, if they're going through something, don't you want them to come and just pour out every emotion and tell you all about it so you can help them? Yeah. How much more our Heavenly Father wants us to pour out everything to Him. We can come to Him with everything. But then, in the midst of that incredible anguish and pain that Jesus was dealing with in that moment, he prayed. And in Luke 23, 34, we see that Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Wow. In the midst of all of that anguish, he was able to pray for those who were murdering him. Wow. He asked God to forgive them those who betrayed him, those who ridiculed him, those who publicly humiliated him, who rejected him, who abused him. We would call them enemies, right? He never called them enemies. The death he was enduring was for them too. And he went to God on their behalf and prayed for them. He became the sacrifice that made a way for all humanity to have relationship with God. You see, when we pray for those who are hurting us, it opens the door for miracles. We've got to learn the power of praying for those who try to hurt us, those who bring harm into our lives. It is so powerful. Throughout the Bible, we are told to pray for those who hurt us, those who persecute us, pray for our enemies. In fact, in Job, we see a story of a very wealthy man who had everything and then lost it all, even his health he lost. And in Job 42.10, it says, And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Now, you might re read that and say, well, he wasn't praying for enemies. He was praying for friends. If you read through the book of Job, it is unbelievable to me that this verse calls them friends because they did not treat him anything like a friend would have treated him. And yet he prayed for them. And it continues and says, Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. When he prayed for those who had hurt him. When he prayed for those who had shouted accusations and blame at him. And the Lord used that verse to speak to me very personally at a time in my life when someone treated me very unethically and cheated me out of a very significant amount of money. Someone who had lied to me and lied about me. And God told me to pray for them. And he brought me to this verse. He said to pray for them. And at that time, 
You know the prayer I wanted to pray. Get him, God, get him. Kill him, God, kill him. <laughs> that was the only prayer I really wanted to pray in that moment. But God told me to pray. And then he got more specific. And God told me to pray for their finances. What? I stopped. God, hello? Hello? Do you see what's happening here? Do you see what has happened? Do you see the scales? God, what are you talking about? Why would I pray for their finances? I'm the one that's been cheated here. What are you thinking? <laughs> Have any of you ever had conversations like that with God? And he said, pray for their finances. Oh, I knew it was God. So I knew I had to do it. And it was not an easy thing. And it took some courage to do. But little step at a time, I began praying for their finances. And then it became easier and easier. And I continued to pray for them specifically in that area. And over time, you know what happened? I realized that my prayers probably had nothing to do with them, but everything to do with me. And prayer was the vehicle that changed my heart. Prayer was the thing that enabled me to let that hurt and that unforgiveness slide right off. And that hurt and that unforgiveness, if I had held onto it, would have absolutely sabotaged my future. But through prayer, it slid right off. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. You see, it does something in us and brings freedom into our lives when we pray for them. Things begin to slide right off when we start to really sincerely pray for those who have hurt us and treated us badly. If we want things to slide off, we need to pray for those who've hurt us. And let's look at the third thing that Jesus prayed. He prayed about his situation. He prayed for those who were hurting him. And thirdly, he prayed for himself. Just before Jesus took his last breath, he prayed one last prayer. And in Luke 23, 46, it says, And when Jesus has, had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last, and they divided his garments and cast lots. When it says there in that verse, I commit my spirit, it's literally saying, I set off from myself and entrust to another. We need to learn to set ourselves off from our flesh, from our earthly desires, our fleshly responses. We may not be dying a physical death as Jesus was in that moment, but we need to learn to die to our flesh, set ourselves off of how our flesh wants to respond and commit ourselves into God's 
hands, entrusting ourselves to him. You know, so often we, we want to be angry. We feel justified. We want to hold on to that hurt. We want to hold on to that unforgiveness because they wronged us. And we feel justified in that. And sometimes we can think if we let go of it, then we're giving them the message, well, it's okay, it doesn't matter, what you did was just fine. You know what, that is God's business to deal with them. That is not our responsibility to try to teach them a lesson. And we need to be willing to bring ourselves to God. I know in, in that time in my life when I was dealing with that situation of being cheated and lied about, I so many times came to God and said, okay, Father, right now my flesh feels like being angry. My flesh feels like being hurt. My flesh feels like holding on to unforgiveness. But God, I don't want anything to stand in the way of my relationship with you. I don't want anything to clog up my pipeline with you, God. I don't want anything to stand in the way of the future that you have for me. So, Father, I just bring this all to you right now. I entrust myself to you, and God, I ask you to intervene. I ask you to work in my heart. I ask you to make adjustments. And God, where I, I'm feeling angry, where I'm feeling hurt, God, I just give it to you, and I ask you to work. And I begin to pray like that over and over, coming to God repeatedly, bringing myself to him, committing myself into his hands and saying, Father, mold me, shape me, work in me. So often, we just pray that God would work in the other person what we want him to work in them. But we need to be willing to bring ourselves to God. Say, okay, Father, work in me. Change my heart. Mold me and shape me more and more into your image. I put my hurt into your hands, God. Help me to see them as you do, God. Help me to love them as you do. Help me to respond to them as you do. That should become the prayer of our hearts. We need his help. You know, we can't do it on our own, and we were not created to. He wants to help us. You know, after Jesus rose from the dead, but before he ascended to heaven, in John 14, 26, he said, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm sending the Holy Spirit, your helper, to be with you and to teach you all things. He has given us the Holy Spirit as our helper. He wants to help us, but we need to be willing to bring our lives to him and say, okay, help me. I lay it out before you. I entrust myself to you. And when we pray for ourselves and put ourselves in God's hands and allow him to work in us and ask the Holy Spirit to help us, things that we would have held on to, things that would have weighted us down, begin to slide right off. It's amazing what happens. You see, prayer works miracles. And ladies, if we want to live lives that experience all that God has for us, lives where all the things that would try to interfere just slide right off, then we've got to learn the most important key to things being able to slide right off is prayer. 
It's bringing our situation to God and saying, okay, intervene with your will. Not mine, but yours. Praying for those who are hurting us. And then praying for ourselves. And ladies, before you know it, the things that you've held on to or the things that you'd be tempted to hold on to, they will slide right off. And when they do, that's when we experience freedom and it enables us and empowers us, equips us to just walk into all that God has for us. And that's what I want, and I believe you do too. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, right now, God, we just come before you. And Father, I believe this is a room full of women who want your best in their lives, who want to walk into your purposes, the great things that you have ahead for them, not just in this year, but God, year after year into their futures. And so, Father, I pray that you would help each one of us to be able to live as though we're wearing that rain slicker, God, where we'd let things slide off. Father, when we're tempted to pick something up, God, I pray that you just nudge our hearts and remind us that we can let it slide off just like Jesus did if we pray. And nudge our hearts, God, help us to have the courage to stop and pray, to invite your will into our situation. God, maybe there are some here right now that are facing a situation that they have not invited you in to accomplish your will. Father, I pray that they would begin to pray that prayer right now, God, inviting you and your will into their circumstances. Father, help us to be women who quickly, immediately pray for those who hurt us. God, that in turn, immediately, those things would slide right off and we wouldn't even pick them up. And Father, help us to be women who continually entrust ourselves into your hands to allow you to work in us as you want to, molding us, shaping us more and more into your image, God. Helping us be the women you created us to be. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father.